1: And Notre Dame basketball. number
3: one ranked
1: UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. O'Reilly <laughs> Okunbowole wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus, fighting Irish hockey. They score. Jake Evans scores. Notre Dame. Terren Pritchett.
4: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. It is seven minutes after five o'clock on this Wednesday, November the 9th of 2022. It's Notre Dame Navy Week. The Fighting Irish have won six of seven. And they're taking on a three and six midshipman team in Baltimore, Maryland, this Saturday. It's a noon kickoff, right here on WSBT Radio. That means our pregame starts bright and early at six a.m. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horkin. I will host Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Mickle Ultra, Saturday morning from nine a.m. until eleven a.m right here on WSPT Radio. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday and coming up over the next couple of hours. Here's what I'm hoping to get accomplished. You're going to hear from Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator Tommy Reese, his thoughts on the Irish offense coming up in just a little bit. We've got our Twitter question of the day, thinking ahead to the postseason. We'll take a look at the college football playoff rankings from last night. Also, we have our My 5 question of the day, the five most interesting players as of right now in Notre Dame football's class of 2024, which was added on to today. More on that in just a second. We'll have a little Notre Dame basketball talk to get to. At 6.20, Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder joins the program to discuss the cavemen playing in the regional against Fort Wayne Snyder at Steel Stadium in Mishawaka, Friday night, 7.30 kickoff. You can hear the game on 96-1 the ton, and a perfect week to have Coach Kinder on considering his triple option attack, Notre Dame taking on Navy. We can blend it all together. Also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, at 6.45, I'll be joined by the Notre Dame hockey team's leading scorer, junior Ryder Ralston, a Michigan native, He and the Irish will take on the Michigan Wolverines at the Compton Family Ice Arena Friday night at 7.30, Saturday night at 6 o'clock. You can hear both games on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, or on the Notre Dame Radio Network. That's what we're going to try to get accomplished over the next couple of hours here on WSBT Radio, but we've got... A lot of little news and notes to get to to start the program. So, let's don't waste any more time. Let's get right to it.
1: The first pitch of the the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the wide of his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
4: We'll start with Notre Dame football making headlines today. The Fighting Irish have added... To the class of 2024, Carson Hobbs has picked the Fighting Irish. He's a three-star cornerback out of Cincinnati, Ohio, a big corner at 6'1", 180 pounds. He is the seventh member of the class of 2024. Hobbs decommitted from South Carolina Friday so he could visit the Fighting Irish on Saturday, and then he picks the Fighting Irish today. Very interesting player that was offered by Notre Dame back in September. Grew up a diehard Notre Dame football fan, so pretty exciting for him to be in South Bend for that crazy Clemson game on Saturday. Won by the Irish 35-14, so now he gets the opportunity to play for the school that he loved growing up the University of Notre Dame. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider is Mike Singer. Last night's program, he offered some details on Hobbs.
5: So he's a 2024 24 corner, so not desperate at all at this point. Um, so, Darren, you're a, you're a college football guy. I mean, just think about the South Carolina Gamecocks. How without knowing their roster very well. Do you think they get many players from Ohio? I mean, just, like he's, he's he committed to South Carolina, and Carson Hobbs is from Cincinnati, Archbishop Moeller. Wow. Committed to them for his junior season, and, and kind of like, that's an interesting fit. And he grew up a diehard Notre Dame fan. His dad is a big Notre Dame fan, so it's like, Darren, if Notre Dame is, is, is once Carson Hobbs in their 2024 class, I think that's where he's going to end up, just logically, right? Just that just makes sense. And he talked to him, and you know, he's like, told me, and, and you can find this article at dot He told me that, uh, you know, Notre Dame is. He, he said that the visit was a dream. And then he, I'm not going to say it on air. You can, folks can can you know sign up at blueandgold.com, Just ten dollars through the start of uh, you know next football season. He made a comment about how hard Notre Dame is recruiting him compared to South Carolina. It, it, so it, it's, I, I think that it, it, Notre Dame is, is just looking fantastic to flip him. And um, you know, what's that six one one eighty, I've interviewed him twice. I mean, he is just a very well spoken young man. He seems like a very strong Notre Dame fit from that perspective. Mike Mickens is doing a really nice job. He's like. When he went on his visit, he's like, I was just so excited to talk to those coaches mm-hmm. who I've been communicating with so much on the phone or via text message. Like, um, it, it just feels like a strong um, Notre Dame
4: fit, for sure. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Blueandgold.com on last night's program, talking about a guy who had not committed as of yet in Carson Hobbs, but today, the Cincinnati native Pick the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. He is the first defensive back to commit in the class of 2024. And overall, he is number seven. One of the seven is four-star quarterback from Michigan, C.J. Carr. So another addition to Notre Dame's class of 2024, Carson Hobbs. Get the latest on Carson right now at blueandgold.com. We'll switch to Notre Dame basketball for a moment. Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray announced this afternoon that transfer guard Marcus Hammond MCL sprain out a week. Good-looking player who joined the Notre Dame basketball program from Niagara. St. Joe sophomore J.R. Kinesny, part of that Irish basketball program, as expected, will redshirt this year. The Fighting Irish open up against the Highlanders of Radford tomorrow night at Purcell Pavilion. That game is being moved from WSBT Radio to our sister station, 96-1 the ton, because tomorrow night at 7, we have the Marcus Freeman Radio Show. 8 o'clock, we have the Falcons and the Panthers. So, Notre Dame basketball for one night, shifting over to 96-1 the ton. Pre-game coverage at 7.30. The game gets rolling at 8 o'clock. We'll remind you of that again on tomorrow's program. The Indiana basketball team 1-0 after beating Moorhead State on Monday, getting set to take on Bethune-Cookman tomorrow. Indiana head coach Mike Woodson met the media today, and one of the things he was asked about, is Trace Jackson Davis, the Indiana All-American, has been dealing with a thumb injury. It's been wrapped through the exhibition game and the matchup against Moorhead State. And Coach Woodson was asked about the status of Trace Jackson Davis and that thumb.
3: Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's something I can't a- answer. You know what I mean? I've, I broke my thumb. I remember his, his is not broken, but... You know, I broke the tip of my thumb and it's a tough injury, you know, and I, I never sat down. I put a splint over it and all the, out of all the injuries I've had, that was the worst because the pain was just, you just, it was just unbelievable. (laughs) You throw the ball, you try to catch the ball with a broken thumb. It's, it's tough, but we've seen the manage, you know, what injury he has. I think he has a, a, He had a severe sprain uh, in the in the thumb area, and you know we you know Tim Garl patted it just to kind of give him some relief, and it seemed to be working for him. Uh, You know he had taken a couple days away too, uh, just to get it calmed down, and we just got to hope that uh, you know it's not something that's going to nag him the the rest of the season. He just you know we we're. Looking at it cautiously, you know, because we got a long season ahead of us, and uh, he's a big part of what we do.
4: Obviously, Indiana hoping that does not loom throughout the year for Trace Jackson. Davis, who had 15 points and seven rebounds Monday against Moorhead State. Indiana taking on Bethune-Cookman tomorrow night at 8.30 at the Assembly Hall. Indianapolis Colts making a lot of news this week, firing head coach Frank Reich. And also deciding to bring in Ring of Honor, former center, Jeff Saturday, which surprised everybody in the National Football League, in particular with two former coaches on the Colt staff, Gus Bradley and John Fox. Saturday met the media today without Mr. Ursay and Mr. Ballard nearby. And got a little fiery and emotional as... I think a lot of the media just trying to figure out what in the world's going on right now. Why are you here? And he was asked, why are you doing this?
6: Because I care, right? I told the guys this morning, I care about the players, care about their families. I've sat in their seat, man. This sucks, right? I like Frank. I've talked to Frank. We've texted. I love Frank, man. I was working with Frank, right? So I'm working with him every week, talking to him. I, I consider Frank a friend and I love him, I think he's a heck of a football coach. I got no control over how that, so I understand from their perspective, I've sat in that seat, they love Frank, man, these, that's his. That's their coach, I mean they played for this dude, so uh, I don't minimize that at all, I, I care about the staff and their family, these guys work hard, they sacrifice for their families, they sacrifice time, energy and effort, like, I know equipment room, man. I know media relations. I know training room. Like you guys act like this is these are my people, bro. Like my adult life was forged here, right? Like my wife and I had ra- you know, we raised our kids here. Like these people matter to me. This organization matters to me, right? The people in the community matter to me. I mean, everybody thinks this is like flippant. This is this is not like I care whatever I can do. And when he said, hey, can you help me? absolutely i help if somebody called and said hey this is an opportunity to say you know for for the people who are in this room and in this building would you do it absolutely i'm going to do it right and I, I had to make sure my wife was on board she and i talked about it prayed about it i called him back and i said let's do it right and that was it just for great that was at one o'clock in the morning like, ursa carries different hours than me right he's a lot later but it was like one or or, or something that you, will you consider and i said hey my wife and i and then he and Chris talked and had a conversation and did whatever, but I had no idea how it was going to flow through. Just didn't just didn't know and it was a it was a whirlwind, man, and is what it is now. I'm here and trying to trying to beat Las Vegas. I mean, that's that's the focus at this point.
4: If you're transcribing that statement, do you put in a period or is that 90 seconds of just run-on sentences <laughs> just everything's just sort of jammed together? <laughs> Not sure. I'm just wondering, who has more pressure on them this week? Colts and Las Vegas against the Raiders. Is it Saturday? Who right now, I'm sure his head is absolutely spinning, trying to get this team in a position to have success. I think he's probably trying to get comfortable in figuring everything out. Or is there more pressure on Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach? Vegas is 2-6, and six. And can you imagine the feeling of the Raiders and their fans and that media group if they would lose to what looks like a circus coming from Indianapolis to Las Vegas? I think there might be more pressure on the Raiders because there's no way you can lose this particular game considering how it looks from the outside looking in. 96-1-the-ton has Colts football. It's going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be must-see TV how this thing looks. First-time play caller. First-time head coach. Let's see how it goes. You can hear the Colts and the Raiders starting at 3 o'clock on Sunday on 96-1-the-ton opening kickoff is at four o 21 minutes after 5 o'clock, Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator Tommy Reese met the media last night coming up in a couple of moments you'll hear Tommy talk about the importance of beating Clemson why Drew Pine got player of the game from the coaching staff and hey knock on wood it's got to be pretty nice that that offensive line outside of Patterson starting the year a little banged up has been out there and pretty healthy so far this year We'll talk some Irish offense coming up in a moment, 522 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett
4: 27 minutes after five o'clock sports beat continues on this Wednesday evening how about 70 degrees tomorrow according to our friends from WSBT News 22 Abby you're doing a terrific job with the forecast this weekend I think what is there a slight chance for some of that white stuff we won't talk about that that's not Abby's fault All right, let's get to some Notre Dame football offensive conversation here on WSBT Radio. The Irish put up 35 points against Clemson last Saturday. You had seven via the interception return for the young freshman Benjamin Morrison. You had the block punt for a touchdown. So you kind of narrow it down to 21 points scored by the Irish offense, but the running game, of course, was terrific against Clemson as once again they were able to rush for over 200 yards against a very good Clemson front. But 47 carries and 263 yards later, advantage Notre Dame in bold. So, a terrific win for the Fighting Irish. They beat then number four Clemson. They fell to number 10 in last night's college football. Playoff rankings, and they have a very good opportunity to win their last three regular season games to finish 11 and 1. But the Notre Dame loss likely will keep them out of the college football playoff. The guy calling the plays and designing the game plans for the Notre Dame offense is Tommy Reese. He met the media last night and was asked about the importance of beating good old Clemson. You
7: know, I think they're all important, obviously, uh, as we've gone through the season. They all count the same. This one, Continues to bolster the belief, you know, amongst players, coaches, staff, that, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Things are going, you know, the way we want them to. We're preparing the right way. And, you know, to see our players go out there and execute and really like this game's about them. And to have to see them have the success they deserve is really what it all comes down to. So it's a great win. It's behind us now. we got to get ready for another challenge coming up and keep
4: chugging along. You know, I think that particular win over Clemson To me, two things stand out. It validates something that I've talked about and many on the beat have talked about, that this was an underperforming football team for a good chunk of the year. For whatever reason, this coaching staff was not getting the most out of this football team. You can't lose to Marshall. You can't lose to Stanford with the talent on this football team. Whatever was stopping what we're seeing now from happening, hopefully, is a thing of the past. I think also this win, again, signifies the players are locked in. They are listening to Marcus Freeman. They are listening to the coaching staff. When you're 0-2 and all your big goals are gone, you don't have a conference championship to try to win as an independent, you're kind of lonely out there in the college football world, but they have stayed focused. And credit to the players – They're listening to their head coach, and obviously a lot of credit to Marcus Freeman. What he is saying to those players is really sinking in because there's been no quit in this football team. They have won six of seven, and you can't do that unless you are 100% committed to what Marcus wants from you. And again, whatever the coaching staff has done, the tweaking, gaining an identity, this football team – Last Saturday looked a whole lot different than some of the games we saw earlier this year. So hopefully they continue to get better. This is going to be an interesting game against Navy. It's that different game on the schedule. You're coming off a big win. You're going on the road. It's an early start. You worry about that little sleepy start to the game. You don't have many possessions against Navy if they get the running game going. So you got to take advantage when you have the football early on. I guess – In the whole scheme of things, this next topic isn't important. But based on social media, people that follow me were very surprised when Coach Freeman announced that Drew Pine was the player of the game on offense after going 9 of 17 for 85 yards, a touchdown, and was sacked one time. While the offense otherwise had a great day, 47 carries for 263 yards. And two touchdowns. Coach Reese explained some of the things that don't show up in the box score that led to Pine picking up player of the game honors.
7: Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that people don't know, right? Um, like you look at a game like that, yeah, we ran the ball very effectively, but we did a lot in terms of how we communicated the plays, the tempos we used, the different ways that we wanted to control the rhythm of the game that was really on the quarterback. Um, You know, he plays a large part in our run game in in terms of getting our combinations in the right spots. You know, he himself made a couple runs that were critical, he made, you know, critical plays. But, like, more than all of that, like, his poise, his confidence, the command he had of running what we wanted to do, he really played the game the way we asked him to and made a couple plays for us. And so, you know, the staff felt like he was deserving of it. You know, I'm usually pretty, uh, timid to give it to any quarterback, but, uh, you know, he did exactly what was required and i are proud of him and excited to move forward.
4: You know, one thing I've always felt that I didn't want to fall into this trap as a broadcaster, I don't like using the word game manager that much. In the same capacity that when I broadcast a game, whatever sport it is, I refuse to say, This guy or this gal is showing great hustle. I don't like that because that's an expectation. We should never credit someone for hustling because that's your job as an athlete to give it your all. So I'm not going to compliment someone for hustling just like they're able to put one foot in front of the other. It's an expectation. I don't think we should exploit something that we expect as a fan, as a coach, as a parent. I just don't like doing that. I think it's wasted breath. And I think game manager is along the same lines because no matter if you are the Granger Rocket quarterback or if you're Tom Brady, every quarterback is a game manager every time they step on the field. They have some control of the game. Some of the things Tommy was talking about there that Drew Pine accomplished outside of the stats. There's always a lot on the shoulders of a quarterback, and I just have always felt like game manager is a negative statement. How many years the Bears have been looking for a franchise quarterback? Well, they got this guy. He's a good game manager. It comes across as this guy's not that good. He's just kind of handing the football off, and he's just doing enough, and the rest of the team's winning the game for him. I think that's a little unfair because every quarterback has to have game managing skills, whether they're Warren Moon, Joe Montana, or Pat Dillingham, you've got to be a game manager. So some of the things Tommy was talking about there, I think it goes into every quarterback that steps on the field. It's great that Tommy handled those things. I'm sorry, that Drew handled those things very, very well. Passing game as a whole, not just Drew, but the unit as a whole. They're kind of along for the ride right now as the offensive line, the running game, the defense and special teams have been playing championship-level football. The passing game is not at this particular time, unfortunately. But at this point, it's not like they're going to have a chance to make the playoff going forward if it gets better. This is all about next year for me. How can the passing game get better to set this team up to have an opportunity to reach their goals in 2023. This is about finding guys that fit the needs of this football team next year. Now, I'm not going to overlook the seniors. You want to win every game for them. You still want to do all those things. But look beyond that. I'm looking for guys that can help this football team get back into the playoff mix next year. So it's great that the game-managing things are happening, and it's great the running game is rolling. It's carrying the passing game at this particular time. And you know what? Over the last three games, the running game should be able to continue to shoulder that load. Even though Navy is statistically good against the run, there are opportunities for Notre Dame physically to win battles against Navy. Boston College is atrocious stopping the run. And USC might be number eight in the country, but folks, they've not been very good against the run either. Notre Dame has a chance to continue bulldozing teams Over the last three games in the passing game can kind of continue to be in that snooze mode. But again, I'd like to find out things at the quarterback position, at the wide receiver position. So this team is ready to rock and roll in 2023, even though next year's starting quarterback might be playing in another game on Saturday. 5.37 5.37 at WSBT. We're talking about Tommy Reese's press conference last night with the Notre Dame media. And, of course, he's got to be head over heels excited with the way this football team is running the pigskin. And they are doing it with a lot of physicality.
7: Yeah, I think um, anytime you can run the ball, it alleviates a lot of things. Um, you know, to my core, I believe in running the football. I've always felt that. Um, to my core like towards november and you get later in the year around here you should be able to run the ball um, our line believes in it our receivers believe in it our running backs believe in it drew believes in it so we got to continue to find ways to give them good run looks and good good opportunities to be successful in the run game but um, we got to, and we got to find a way to balance it out and compliment it so uh, my guys are hungry for that and hopefully can keep it rolling here this week
4: and i think something that Tyler Horka and I have talked about on Game Day Beat. I've talked about on this program. There just really wasn't a need to have a three-headed monster all year. It's been pared down basically to two main guys now, Diggs and Estabe. Now Tyree got seven carries against Clemson last Saturday, but Diggs and Estime have pulled away from Tyree as the main backs on this Notre Dame football team. I am very comfortable with two main running backs at this time, and Diggs and Estime have ran the ball extremely well the last two games. Audrick keeping the ball in his hands enables him to be a full go for this offense. And you look at those two, they combined for 35 carries for 218 yards and a touchdown against that really good Clemson defense. And the stat that popped up on Twitter the other day, that Notre Dame averaged over three and a half yards before contact initial contact by a Clemson defender think about that that is getting down the field before any contact 3.6 yards per carry is really good for a lot of teams across the country Notre Dame did that against Clemson before anyone touched a ball carrier now Notre Dame never seems to have that breakaway run like Kyron Williams had last year at the stadium But they're very, very consistent in running the football. Again, 5.6 yards per carry. Had I told you that at the start of the year, they would average that against Clemson, you would have said yes, and you're nuts because that's not going to happen against that NFL-ready Clemson defensive line. Well, Matt Connolly from Clemsonsports.com was on the program last week, and I asked him about this hype defensive line, and he mentioned they're good, but they're overhyped. You know what, the Irish offensive line took that defensive line and put them on skates, and for the ball carrier not to be touched until after three yards on average, that is a remarkable performance. And the offensive line, outside of that Patterson injury to start the year, you've had the same five guys starting. They've been healthy, and that's a really good thing for Tommy Reese and those running backs.
7: That's yeah, knock on wood, right? I mean um... – They've done a great job, and I think early in the season you know, we kind of said let's be patient with them. They've, you know, j missed an extended period of time um, through camp in the early part of the season. So, you know, there's such a camaraderie that's built up front that you need that continuity that can help uh, provide, you know, really an effective unit. And now we're seeing that patience and them working together really come to fruition. Um, there's a lot to be said working through a lot of those things together. You know, we talk about all the time the line needs to see everything as one. It finally feels like that's clicking, and, you know, again, we're, we're hungry to get better and continue to improve there, too.
4: That's Tommy Reese, Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator, meeting the media last night. I want to play one more soundbite for you. I found this fascinating because you look at the stats from the Notre Dame-Clemson game, you as a fan watching the ball game, I'm betting those of you that really get into football and you think about play calling, you're probably thinking, keep running it keep running it. Run, 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 run. I mean, this is domination. Just keep pounding the football when you got a chance, maybe for a little play action or third and long, you try to pick up a first down throw But Otherwise, man, let's just continue to pound the football. Really interesting. A media member asked Reese last night, how much of a factor was the wind in your game plan against Clemson? Now, before hearing the comment Let's remind you, 17 throws, 47 rushing attempts for 263 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Here's how Tommy answered the question how the game plan could have been a whole lot different had the wind died down.
7: I don't know how many, what are we throwing? 18 times? 17 times? 17, yeah. I mean, it's probably 13 times less than we would have without the wind. You know, we. Most of our throws were within a, a range where it wasn't allowing the wind to take take effect of it. Um, that was certainly part of the plan. You know, it was it was howling down there quite a bit, and uh, obviously we're running the ball with success, so it helped alleviate some of those. But um, yeah, we try to put our guys in, in positions that are you know, able to be successful.
4: I got to ask you, as that person I was describing that thinks about play calling during a game, for a passing game that's. Right now at 50% or 49% the last four games, you've ran the football for over 200 yards for, what, five of the last six games, and you're pounding Clemson. How shocked are you to hear, had the wind not been up, Tommy said there, they probably would have thrown 13 more times. They would have thrown, let's just break it down based on the plays that actually happened, 30 passes, and that would narrow it down to 34 rushes. Does that surprise you? I mean, with the way they were running it, I just, I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting. I was surprised he admitted that, and I'm surprised he thought about they needed to throw that much in the game. He's an experienced play caller. He saw things on film that we don't see, so I'm not saying he was wrong. I just thought it was interesting because for those of us to just sit and kind of, wow, let's just keep running it. It seems like that was just a run game night. Continue to pound the football. You've got the lead. Clemson's not moving the ball. Why take a chance of a, a tip pass interception we've seen this year to give Clemson a short field? So I just thought it was interesting. So I wanted to play that back for you. 544 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's Weekday sports beat. Twitter. Question of the day next on your home of the fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: michiana tradition continues welcome to budweiser's weekday sports beat on sports radio 960 wsbt
4: sports beat tonight brought to you by budweiser the king of beers locally distributed by united beverage company of south bend football fans this buds for you by barnaby's of mishawaka and granger now with three locations to serve you their newest location on lincoln way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, The Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings, have happy endings. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old, please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Grau State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by Edward Jones, making sense of investing in Contact Eric Yetterberg in South Bend or Matt Stem in Osceola.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
4: 10 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, Darren Pritchett with you on WSBT Radio. The Twitter Question of the Day is available each weekday on my Twitter account. I do not have a blue check mark. 960 Sportspeed is the Twitter account. And yesterday, I asked this question back in the 2021 recruiting cycle. The Fighting Irish went hard after running back Will Shipley, who ended up picking Clemson in May of 2020. The Irish, in need of a running backs at that particular time, shifted and ended up in December getting Audric Estime. And then right before the second signing period, Logan Diggs ended up picking the Irish over LSU. So who knows how things could have worked out. Maybe they still get Ostome or Diggs and you couple him with Shipley. But for the sake of our conversation, let's keep it simple. Every Irish fan wanted Will Shipley. Didn't work out. He went to Clemson. So now knowing what you know, who would you rather have? Choice number 1 was Will Shipley, choice number 2 Audrick Estime and Logan Diggs. I figure who would win this. I was just curious to see by how much. Or were there people that still would rather have Will Shipley, who is a heck of a football player, but man, it's hard to argue with this 1-2 combination right now. Well, it was a landslide. Estime and Diggs got 88.1% of the vote. Shipley got things worked out pretty well for the fighting Irish and now Shipley his first year at Clemson didn't make the playoffs and they're not gonna make the playoffs this year either according to most people who understand all the dynamics of the rankings all right now we move to today's Twitter question of the day based on various bowl projections Which opponent slash bowl game would interest you the most? So which of these matchups against Notre Dame intrigues you the most? Your four choices. The Gator Bowl against the Florida Gators from the Southeastern Conference. How about the ReliaQuest Bowl? I think that's on January 2nd. Another SEC opponent, you get Mike Leach and the Bulldogs from Mississippi State. A chance to go to the Holiday Bowl for the first time and take on from the Pac 12 Conference, the Utes of Utah. And your fourth and final choice, the Mayo Bowl. Yeah, that's the bowl in which the winning coach gets Duke's Mayo dumped on their head. It would be Notre Dame against from the Big Ten Conference. Row, row, row your boat. The Minnesota Golden Gophers. So which opponent slash bowl game interests you the most from a Notre Dame fan perspective? Gator Bowl against Florida. ReliaQuest Mississippi State. Holiday Bowl against Utah. Or the Dukes Mayo Bowl against Minnesota. Those are your choices. We'd love for you to vote on my Twitter account at... 960 sports beat you voted in the election yesterday vote again today on my Twitter account at 960 sports beat still to come in the six o'clock hour Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder joins me at 620 to preview the regional against Fort Wayne Snyder at 645 Notre Dame hockey leading scorer Ford Ryder Ralston joins the program to talk about the Irish taking on Michigan At the Compton Family Ice Arena, Friday and Saturday, both games can be heard, of course, on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, and across the Notre Dame Radio Network.
1: Budweiser's Weekday Sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
6: Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby!
1: We are
4: ready for the first Irish basketball game of the season tomorrow night. Mike Brays Fighting Irish, taking on the Ranford Highlanders from Purcell Pavilion. It is an 8 o'clock tip tomorrow night. Pre-game coverage starts at 7.30. Normally, Irish basketball right here on WSBT Radio. But the Irish playing on a Thursday. Marcus Freeman show is on Thursday. We can't air both things on the same channel. So the Marcus Freeman show will air Tomorrow night at 7, right here on WSBT Radio. Then at 8 o'clock, it is Thursday night football. The Atlanta Falcons visiting the Carolina Panthers. We are moving Notre Dame basketball to our sister station, 96-1, the ton. Tony Simeone will have the call, 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip, Irish men's basketball versus Radford, again on 96-1, the ton, tomorrow night. To recap something I mentioned at the start of the program, Irish head coach Mike Bray met the media this afternoon. The transfer guard from Niagara, Marcus Hammond, is going to miss a few games due to an MCL sprain. So Trey Wirtz will take Hammond's spot in the starting lineup tomorrow night against Radford. So Hammond out with an MCL sprain. Wirtz into the starting lineup. As expected, local product from South Bend, St. Joe, J.R. Kinesny is going to redshirt this year. He is a sophomore with the Fighting Irish Basketball Program, so Kinesny will redshirt this season. Those are some of the headlines surrounding the Fighting Irish Basketball team as they get set to take the court tomorrow night at Purcell Pavilion against Radford, who played Marquette really tough up in Milwaukee Monday night. It was a close game in the second half. I think Marquette ended up winning by... 11 or 12, but Radford at least gave them quite a battle. Ryder almost upset Providence last night. Ryder was up by 15 in the first half. Providence came back. At one point, they were up at least by 10. Ryder got to within one, had the ball in the closing seconds, and the guy with the ball tripped and fell down. Time expired, and Providence survived, beating Ryder by one point. Last night, Florida State got beat the other night as well in their opener. Was it by Stetson? I'm trying to remember, but Florida State t- took a, a bad L in their opening game of the year. All right, 608 at WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
4: All right, today's My Five. Who are the five most interesting players right now in Notre Dame football's class of 2024? I asked this question today because Notre Dame added the seventh member of their class earlier today when Carson Hobbs picked the Fighting Irish, a three-star cornerback out of Cincinnati. Cincinnati. 6'1", 180. On Friday, decommitted from South Carolina, was at the Notre Dame-Clemson game Saturday night. He was offered by Notre Dame back in September and officially joined the Fighting Irish class of 2024 by announcing on social media he is all in with the Fighting Irish, the team he was a diehard fan of growing up. So Carson Hobbs, the seventh member, of Notre Dame's class of 2024. So who stands out in that particular class as of right now? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with interior offensive lineman Peter Jones, a four-star offensive lineman ranked by On3 as the 14th best interior offensive lineman in the class of 2024, regardless of position. He is player number 186 in the class, On3 scouting and rankings assistant Cody Belair on Jones. He writes, body control and balance flash off the tape. Always squares up his opponent and is rarely a and body type and framed to play tackle at the next level. Impressive raw power and strength at the point of attack. Shows off his grip strength when engaged with defenders. He also threw a solid 124 feet 1 inch in the discus during his sophomore track and field season, does need to develop foot speed and explosiveness to thrive at the tackle position but definitely looks the part. That's Peter Jones, four-star offensive lineman in the class of 2024. Four. Also from the class, tight end Jack Larson, a four-star tight end, ranked as the sixth best, six best tight end in the class according to On3, player number 171 overall. On three, director of scouting and rankings, Charles Power wrote this about Larson. He is a pass catching specialist who projects as a move tight end at the next level. He measures between 6'2 and 6'3 at around 215 pounds prior to his junior season. We see Larson line up both in line and split out as a receiver for his high school. He shows reliable hands both in-game and camp settings and good ball skills on Friday nights with the ability to come down with some contested catches. That's tight end Jack Larson.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Number three.
4: The most interesting players right now in Notre Dame football's class of 2024. Number three is defensive lineman Brandon Davis Swain. He's made visits to Michigan, but right now committed to the Fighting Irish, a four-star defensive lineman. Number nine off the edge, according to On3, player number 70 overall in the class. Again, Power writes about Brandon Davis Swain, a versatile defensive lineman with the ability to disrupt as a pass rusher from multiple spots on the front and initially evaluating him. We thought his ability as a pass rusher stood out the most. He has good initial quickness off the snap and shows the ability to dip his shoulder while also using quick hands to get pass offensive lineman he is particularly dangerous rushing from the interior where his quickness presents a mismatch for opposing guards and centers that is four-star defensive lineman Brandon Davis Swain number two most interesting players in Notre Dame football's class of 2024 at number two is wide receiver Cam Williams he's a four-star recruit on three has Williams as the eighth best wide receiver in the class of 2024 player number 52 overall. On three, director of scouting and rankings, Charles Power, writes, he's got prototypical size, a good frame. He looks to have very good length as well. He's very athletic and coordinated, which is backed up by his track profile. He ran an 11.01 100-meter dash and is a 6'5 high jumper. He has top-end speed and vertical bounce. That's very strong for a rising junior receiver. That's a heck of a combination. For that to go with his size, it's a very good athletic profile. He is smooth on film. He looks like one of the better wide receiver prospects in the country. We have him ranked that way, and I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see him move up. Very interesting profile for four-star wide receiver, cam williams
3: number one
4: and the most interesting player right now in notre dame's class of 2024 it is quarterback cj carr from the state of michigan four-star recruit ranked by on three as the fifth best quarterback in the 24 class player number 30 overall they write about him in this fashion polished productive quarterback with the ability to make plays in and out of the offensive structure has an easy natural release, gets the ball out quick, and can deliver from off platform. He makes small window throws against tight coverage on Friday nights. He has good feet and shows reactive quickness in the pocket, has the quickness to escape the pass rush, makes some improvisational plays, had a productive junior season, completing 64% of his passes, 28 touchdowns, only four interceptions in 10 games. Developed and polished in the camp setting. Measured around 6'2", 190 prior to the 22 season. Shows a good arm at this stage, but has room to add velocity to his intermediate throws as he continues to develop as a high school quarterback. That is on three. Their thoughts on the guy that is ranked number one on my list and a four-star quarterback in the 24 class Notre Dame commit, C.J. Carr. And that is today's My Five Question of the Day. Still to come on Budweiser's weekday sports beat Navy Notre Dame in Baltimore on Saturday. Triple option attack for the midshipmen. So it makes sense to bring aboard the guy who runs that locally, Keith Kinder, the head coach of Mishawaka, the caveman, hosting a regional Friday night at Steel Stadium against Fort Wayne Snyder. We'll talk some caveman football coming up in just a minute or two also coming up at 6 45 the leading score for the Notre Dame hockey team junior forward Ryder Ralston will join the program live we'll try to mix in a little sports wagering as well hope you'll stick around plenty to get to on this Wednesday Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the fighting Irish of Notre Dame sports radio 960 WSBT Twenty-one minutes after six o'clock, sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame and Navy play Saturday at noon. The Irish getting set for a little option football. And speaking of option football, the Mishawaka Caven are going to be hosting a regional matchup with Fort Wayne Snyder at Steele Stadium on the campus of Mishawaka High School Friday night at 730. We'll have the game on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. But we encourage Mishawaka fans and local high school football fans to come out and support Mishawaka at Steel Stadium as they try to win that regional matchup with Fort Wayne Snyder and the head coach of the caveman, Keith Kinder joins me here on WSBT Radio, the Cayman fresh off a sectional championship win at Concord last Friday, 38-17. Coach, first off, congratulations to you, your staff, and the kids on a great victory over Concord last Friday. Sure sounds like you guys got off to a fast start and and put a lot of pressure on that Concord football team. And we are now joined by the head coach of the Mishawaka Cayman, Keith Kinder, as his squad Beat Concord for a sectional title last Saturday or last Friday night, I should say. Thirty-eight seventeen, Coach. Congratulations to you and your kids on that great victory Friday night. And I know I was calling a hockey game, but based on what I've heard, you guys got off to a really fast start in that game and put a lot of pressure on Concord.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, and thanks for having me. We, like you said, it it, it couldn't have gone any better. Uh, Had we scripted it, uh, you know, scored in four plays on our first possession of the game, got kind of a a fluke type of pick six by Aiden Hooten where the ball just kind of fell into his lap after getting it knocked out, uh, and he ran it back for like a 70-yard touchdown. So, you know, not even five minutes into the game, and we're up 16 to nothing uh, after two two two-point conversions. So really, really pleased. I thought it was the most – it was the most complete half of football that we'd played all year. And I, you know, if you can pick the right time to do that, I, you know, we, I think we did. Coach,
4: I'm curious with the style of offense that you have, you played them on October the 7th in a conference game and won 15 to 11. We always hear coaches. Well, sometimes we, we hold things back. Can you hold things back with your style of offense from that first game, knowing that you might have to face them in the postseason?
2: You know, I- not really you know with some with some things that we do formation wise you know we can we can kind of keep some of that stuff what 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 really was the difference was what we added in between the two games you know we learned a lot about you know how they were going to try to defend us and 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 what they kind of left available for us with the way that they were defending us so we we added a bunch of stuff you know probably the first I don't know, 15 to 16 snaps last Friday was either a different formation, a different play, or a different blocking scheme than they had seen. So really nothing, while it may have looked, you know, the same to, you know, the the normal fan that's come to all of our football games, it was just enough little bit of a nuance in there that, that I think kind of had them second-guessing what they were reading. So, um, you know, the benefit of, having, you know, a bye week and, and having, you know, some extra time to prepare for them. But, uh, you know, our the biggest thing was our kids executed.
4: Hmm. Coach, that was win number 45 for you in five years at Mishawaka. How many of those 45 wins have ended in a Gatorade shower?
2: Six or seven maybe. <laughs>
4: um, so you're used to it.
2: Well, it, you know, it never gets old. I'll tell you that, you know, um, it's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's one of those deals where obviously I could do without ice cold water being dumped on me, but the kids really enjoy it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a Um, and you know, every, every time you can celebrate uh, a championship it's a special moment because it's a new group, um, of kids that have worked really hard. So, um, you know, it, it's so, it, it's really, the thing that I get the most enjoyment out of nights like last Friday is I, just getting the opportunity to stand back and, and watch our kids with their families, watch our kids with their friends, you know, take pictures and, and kind of celebrate the moment, because that's what high school sports is all about, you know, in a nutshell, uh, what they're going to remember is the celebration and the moments that they, that they created and the memories, and that's the that's the stuff they're really going to remember. So that's always nice for me to watch.
4: Coach Kinder, I have no idea at the start of the year goals that maybe you set or the team set for this season, but knowing the standard you have created at Mishawaka, I'm sure winning a sectional and moving deep into this tournament was high on the list. Considering that you win a championship, that's always special – but yet you have another opportunity in front of you. How have the kids responded to the transition from being so happy winning that game Friday to now getting down to business, taking on a really good football team Friday night?
2: Well, I think it's the the one thing that you're always concerned with, you know, after an emotional win and, and, and that sort of process, like how quickly you have to turn around and get yourself ready for another one. But I – like I, I have felt this way for about three or four weeks that that our kids are hungry. Um, and I don't think that this satisfied them. Um, and, and, and we've coached groups that I have felt that way about where this, this was about, you know, where, where we could, you know, just, yeah, we could tell, yep, that was, that was the goal. We got it. We're good now. It, this group wants to keep playing. And I think, I think, you know, one of the things you, you, you mentioned, we talk about goals. We talk about goals all the time, and we talk about, you know, the ultimate goal is for just to play for as long as we possibly can play. We don't really talk about state championships a whole lot. You know, we talk about play for as long as we possibly can. But I think this group is thinking that. I think this group is thinking we've got a couple more wins that we've got to take care of, and I think they're starting to believe, you know, and and that's the first step in any of it.
4: Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder, my guest on WSBT Radio. Coach, you face a Fort Wayne Snyder team that's 10-1. and Sounds like they had a come-from-behind victory over Fort Wayne North to win the sectional 25-21. But in 11 games this year, their defense has recorded four shutouts three times. The opponent has scored seven or six points in a game. Those are really good numbers, but I'm curious, based on looking at their schedule, I don't think they have faced a triple option team. Am I right? And how big of a deal is that for a high school football team?
2: Well, I, you are correct. They have not, they have not played um, a, a flex bone triple option team this year they haven't played a flexbone triple option team since they played mishawaka in the regional in 2016 Wow! Um, and so i i think that that is i think that that is an advantage for us and i think the biggest advantage of it is just the the amount they have they haven't played a team all year that's that's taken many snaps just under center you know hmm. so that that in and of itself is is i think an advantage uh style of play wise Uh, it's hard to, I think, I think our offense is hard to prepare for in three or four days. Um, I think it's hard to simulate and practice the, you know, so I think that that that's an advantage for us. I'll tell you another interesting tidbit that we've been telling our players all week, that this is, this will be the first time since 2018 that Fort Wayne Snyder has played a football game outside of the city of Fort Wayne. So, um, you know, because of their conference, it's a 10-team ten, ten conference, so they play nine conference opponents. Uh, all are in the city of Fort Wayne. Their sectional is all city of Fort Wayne. So it, it's, uh, I'd like to think that we have a slight advantage uh, regarding that. You know, they're going to have a two-hour bus ride, something they're not accustomed to. So they're a really good football team. We're going to have to play really well, um, but it just it, it feels like, we've got some things going for us that I think can can potentially give us a little bit of a boost.
4: My source tells me that Fort Wayne Snyder has a pretty good passing attack led by an awfully talented wide receiver.
2: You know, they're pretty balanced. You know, the thing that, yeah, they do, they have two really good uh, receivers, uh, number one and number three. They've got a really good back, number nine. They're good up front. The, the, the thing that, that scares me the most is, is they can get into double tight, go under center eye formation, and they can just pound the ball at you. Hmm. Um, or they can go they can go three four wide and run some some zone some zone stuff and throw the ball around a little bit. You know, so they're very versatile. Um, they've got a lot of good weapons. They're extremely talented and fast on defense. It's you know. Uh, it's it's the best football team that we'll have played probably since 2019 uh, when we played Valparaiso uh, and they ended up playing for the 5A state championship that year. I mean, I think I think that's how good uh, Fort Wayne Snyder is. Um, but I, I I think we've got some things that, that we can have some success with and you know you gotta you always gotta be lucky in November and so um, if we can get, catch a few breaks, I I think that we might have a chance to win the game.
4: Coach Kinder, I recall a conversation that we had in the locker room right before we were going to tape the pregame interview for the Mishawaka-Goshen game that I called earlier this year. And you offered a really interesting story, and I want you to share a part of it with our listeners because it's Notre Dame Navy week, and Navy always is such a challenge for the Notre Dame football team with that option attack. And you told me the story that you actually got to spend a little time with the Navy coaching staff and that they were very – open to helping your coaching staff talk about certain plays that they use offer a little perspective how great it was to work with the Navy coaches and what you picked up from being around them.
2: Yeah. So, you know, in, in the spring of 2018 um, we, we reached out um, to the, to the Naval Academy um, and explained, you know, where, where we were, who we were, what we've done offensively. And, and could we come out and watch some spring practice? We, we rented a VRBO in Annapolis, Maryland, which, by the way, if you ever have the chance to go to that area, it's fantastic. Hmm. Um, and we spent, we spent three days um, watching practice, sitting in meeting rooms. Um, when, when they weren't in practice or in meetings, they gave us access to their film room. A position coach would walk by every 30 to 45 minutes, um ask you know hey anything come up any questions anything else you need you know and we ended up bringing back one of one of our better offensive plays um it's just a a little quarterback iso play um learn the blocking scheme and and it's been a, a really good short yardage play for us over the course of the past four or five years so um they couldn't have been more more genuinely nice people coach ken is a really really good person uh, and it was really fun just to watch the way they coach. We, we, you know, you learn about the scheme and stuff like that, but you also learn about how good coaches coach their kids. And, and that was something that we, we still to this day talk about is, is the way that the coaches move after plays, you know, during team time and are, and are moving towards the player and talking to them. And they're walking back to the huddle and talking to them, while, you know, just not wasting any time coaching so that you can get as many reps as possible. Um, Shout out to Justin Fisher, who told me he's the flexbone bone fullback uh, for the scout team of, of Navy this week. So he says he's having a good week. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan, I Have was raised that way. Um, I'm always a little torn uh, during this week because of how much uh, I love watching the, the Naval Academy play football, how much appreciation I have for, for what they've done for Mishawaka. Um, and and anytime Navy's at Notre Dame Stadium, I find the highest seat possible in the end zone <laughs> and, and go sit and 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 just cheer for both offenses to score a lot of points
4: do you learn more watching Navy attack Notre Dame's defense or do you learn more watching how Notre Dame tries to defend Navy's offense
2: well I, you know th- that's really interesting what we learn Here's why. I I think we learn more from Notre Dame's offense because Notre Dame – or excuse me, from Navy's offense attacking Notre Dame because Notre Dame is so far and away more talented on defense than Navy is offensively, you know, size, speed, athleticism. And for us to beat the people that we have to beat in in November – we're going to have to beat people who are bigger, faster, stronger than us. So seeing how Navy uses formations and angles to attack opponents that are significantly more skilled than them is something that we, that we get a lot out of. Um, you know, there's only so many ways you can line up to us, but there are different ways that you can attack those alignments, and a lot of times it's a personnel-driven thing, you know. Uh, Notre Dame has been given fits over the years, uh, at times, but when Notre Dame has been really good, it doesn't really matter what Navy has thrown their way. They have, they have been able to shut it down for the most part.
4: Coach, as we wind down our conversation, can you offer a couple of keys for your football team to walk away with that victory against Fort Wayne Snyder Friday night?
2: The I think, you know, the biggest thing is it's going to be a really physical football game. Um, Snyder is a physical team uh, matching their physicality, not backing down from their physicality. Um, And I think, you know, like like we talked about a little bit earlier, I think getting off to a fast start is going to be really important. We've talked, you know, I mentioned the long road trip for them, something they're not accustomed to Um, in general, just being on the road. just being on a grass certainly all those things that are going to be not normal for them. If we can take advantage of that, you know, in the first six, seven minutes, um, and just kind of get some momentum and hang on to it a little bit. Uh, I, I really do think that we can hang around with them and give ourselves a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Can't turn the ball over and we got to make tackles in the open field. They are really good at catching five yard outs and making them 40 yard touchdowns. Um, they're going to complete some balls, just, just keep everything in front of us. And um, it, it's a tall task force, but I think it's one that our group is ready for.
4: I mentioned the kickoffs at 7.30. I've seen it 7 and 7.30. Is it 7.30, Coach?
2: It's at 7.30.
4: Okay, just wanted to make sure. All right, folks, love to have you come out to Steel Stadium, support the Cayman, Friday night, 7.30, as Mishawaka takes on Fort Wayne Snyder, and he is the head coach of the Mishawaka Cayman, Keith Kinder. Coach, always appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and the kids Friday night trying to win that title and move on once again in this state tournament.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
4: You bet. That's head coach Keith Kinder of the Mishawaka Cayman. It 6:39. 6-39. Notre Dame hockey leading scorer Ryder Ralston joins me in a couple of moments on WSBT.
0: Fall is in the air, and while you might be ready for football and pumpkin spice flavored everything, the pros at Legacy want to make sure your furnace is ready too. Annual tune-ups help keep your furnace running safely and efficiently when you need it most. Visit com for online scheduling and exclusive furnace tune-up specials. And while you're there... Make caring for your HVAC a breeze with an annual maintenance plan starting at just $13 a month. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business.